0: I think at this point, in our respective MMA journeys, tough means something different to all of us. For some, it's part of that golden age of reality television, for others, it was the birth of stars like Uriah Hall and Tony Ferguson, but some tough contestants have slipped right into the UFC roster so seamlessly that you probably have completely forgotten they spent a season on the toughest reality show of all time. I'm Balian from MMA On Point. As always, I want to show some appreciation to our Hall of Fame channel supporters, and These are 10 Fighters You Forgot Were On Tough. Also, quick disclaimer here, we're not really counting winners of the show, because if they won it, then you're probably going to remember who they are, unless there's very special circumstances, but we'll get onto those later. Number 10 is Matt Brown. For some guys, it feels like they've simply been in the UFC for so long, you completely forgot how they got there in the first place. Matt Brown just exists. He just is. And for as long as most of us can remember, he's been knocking people out in the octagon. He's built an entire legacy spanning multiple decades of UFC competition, and unless you were watching the sport way back in 2008, you probably won't know that he got his UFC start on Season 7 of The Ultimate Fighter. And you know what? Matt Brown was just as scary and intense back then. I'm going to predict Matt Brown is gonna win by murder. Matt won his first fight by headkick KO, which Dana loved by the way, but ultimately he got tapped by the season winner, Amir Sadala. I'm also pretty sure he tried to kill Forrest Griffin that season. Flash forward 30 UFC fights later and we have the man that stands before you, only with a whole bunch of knockouts, enough to make you forget that they actually locked 15 other people with him in a house for 8 weeks and that's where the immortal came from. Number 9. James Vick Okay, for some of you, you might already be saying, well, hang on now. I remember when the Executioner made an appearance on the first ever live version of The Ultimate Fighter in 2012. Okay, full disclosure, if you've watched as much Tough as I have, then some of these you're probably going to remember. But even still, season 15 is arguably one of the best seasons ever. Not only because you had the epic rivalry between Faber and Cruz, but it was also 16 lightweights who were all killers, and we got tons of stars out of it. Mike Yessa, Ally Aquinta, Miles the Fury Jury, Vince Prichelle, Darren Cruikshank. don't tell me you don't remember that guy. And although James had some great performances and made it into the semis, I think that is one of the reasons you just forget he was on the show. It's like, well, there were just so many guys who became UFC staples after this one. Not to mention, the first thing anyone thinks of when they hear James Vick these days is when he put a finishing streak together and was trying to move towards title contention, so he got into it with Justin Gaethje. Yeah, thank you, man. It's your last main event. You're about to be uh, on a three-fight losing streak and and shipping your ass back to the B Leagues to fight tomato cans again. I'm not the Homer Simpson of MMA like you are bro i'm not gonna take a beating but you will get knocked the fuck out and that was pretty much all she wrote for the rest of his career because of those antics and his initial eight and one streak which made him feel like a divisional staple it's easy to forget he came from the reality show but go watch that live season because it's definitely one of the crazier and intense ones number eight bryce mitchell Although he's coming off his first pro loss recently and has definitely been sat in front of a microphone long enough at this point to say whatever is on his mind. I don't like thinking if I don't have to. Thug Nasty is definitely among current UFC fan favourites. He was on a slow cook though, like a nice venison stew, as he stacked up wins, showcased impressive grappling skills and kept campaigning for them camo shorts. And because that took a while, and now he's known for all these other things, like Twister submissions, he was on season 27 with a cast of only other undefeated fighters, which as a whole should have been more memorable, really. I mean, shit, I forgot that DC and Stipe even coached against each other. But we were introduced to Thug Nasty for the first time. First, I thought it was a house cat, and I said, oh, well, that's some bitch is too big. Bryce got through the first round, but then he was beaten by Brad Katona, the guy who has now won two Ultimate Fighters. Bryce certainly wasn't as skilled then as he is now or even as polarizingly interesting. Yeah, I'm not the most educated person. I can pronounce every ingredient that goes into this. It kind of feels like he's been in the division forever, even though he's only had seven UFC fights. But for newer fans, I'm pretty sure they've got no idea where the thug nasty came from. Arkansas. 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 Number seven, Mike Dolce. At one point in the mid-2000s, when nutrition became the big thing for the top UFC athletes, there's this one guy whose name you heard the most. He also charged the most, but pretty much guaranteed weight-cutting results. The Dolce Diet became the calling card for Mike Dolce, and along with his weight-cutting methods, he could be seen working with the likes of Ronda Rousey, Johnny Hendricks, Vitor Belfort, even Chael Sonnen. He even won Trainer of the Year at the MMA Awards, three years running. But you know what Mike did before he started working alongside the best fighters in the world? That's right, he fought, and he was even on The Ultimate Fighter way back in 2008. Remember the IFL? Well, Mike actually has the fastest KO in promotional history, just 19 seconds. And I'm pretty sure that's what got him his ticket into Season 7 of The Ultimate Fighter, where he was actually kind of intense. What do you mean, now what? Now you get to beat the living hell out of somebody on national TV. He got a knockout in less than two minutes to get into the house, but then ended up tapping in two rounds against Jesse Taylor in the opening bracket of the tournament. Now what? Mike kept on fire for two more years after that, but only went two and six, so transitioned into training and his Dolce diet, where he became pretty famous for working with all these high-level athletes. So, you know, it's not surprising you don't remember he was on The Ultimate Fighter. Boom, that's how we do it. Number six, Neil Magny. I mean, I know Coach Carwin versus Coach Roy Nelson wasn't necessarily the most memorable combo. When I was asked to be, you know, the ultimate fighter coach, it was kind of like out of the blue. Um, uh, One guy, uh, one, two the other guy just overhand. But there was a lot going on to compete with for audience attention on that season. You had Julian Lane doing his thing, Sam Alvey just smiling at everyone. Bust some heads. <laughs> stab some bitches. Mike Ricci drinking wine in his long sleeve t-shirt in a way that just made audience members want to punch him in the face. But it's also because these days it feels like Neil Magney has had more fights than anyone. But also Neil, bless him, you know, he's not the kind of guy to talk trash or smash up lawn furniture, but he did show from the get-go things that still make him a UFC staple today. He has just pure heart and just basically didn't quit. He made it through the first two rounds, picking up some dominant decisions, but ultimately got KO'd by the sophisticated Mike Ricci in the semi-finals. From there, Magny embarked on his epic quest to have more fights than anyone in UFC history, taking five fights in one year, racking up multiple win streaks and slowly turning into a UFC staple who most of you completely forgot was ever on tough. Number five, Larissa Pacheco. Alright, so to be fair, I think some of you watching this list might not even know who this person is. So okay, you don't suck, but you should probably know that last year, while the undefeated Kayla Harrison was going for her third straight PFL tournament win and about to pocket another $1 million, Larisha Pacheco did the unthinkable and beat her, ending her 15-fight win streak. And she'd already lost twice to her in the PFL, which she went to after things didn't work out for her in the UFC. And how did she get into the UFC? Well, she was on Season 28 of The Ultimate Fighter. It was called Heavy Hitters and had heavyweights on it, but it also had featherweight women in an effort to try and rebuild that division a little bit but basically yeah most people paid attention to the heavyweights instead of the 45ers and it didn't help that you know you have to get to episode eight to watch larissa first fight on the show she didn't speak english and then she got tko'd in the first round of the tournament so i don't blame you if you don't remember that she was on the show but it's still kind of crazy though after such a poor showing and in the ufc as well where she lost two fights and never came back she's undefeated in eight fights now and she's about to fight in the tournament semi-final again Number four, Kai Cara France. Okay, so what the UFC did to get a new challenger for Demetrius Johnson when he ran out of competition, you know, and they sent that bat signal out to all the flyweight champions across the globe and brought them into the ultimate fighter for a season. Yeah, that was pretty cool. Okay, I'm sorry, Top 31, but that is slightly more compelling than just prospects versus veterans. You might not remember that at that time, Kai kara France was a champion over in Bragging Rights Fight Series in Australia, and he came onto the show as the number ninth seeded guy amongst a sea of these great fighters and veterans. Some of them had been in the UFC before, but Kai still won his first fight by knockout in about 30 seconds, so he got to live up to his nickname, Don't Blink. But then he drew the guy that went on to win the show and is now a UFC champion, Alexandre Pantoja, and that was the end of his tough dreams. I think most people might have just forgotten he was on the show in the end, considering just how many of those 125ers. Became divisional staples, and after 10 fights in the UFC, Kai was challenging for a title himself, but it was really his high level performances against the division's best that people remember him for these days. Number 3, Santiago Ponzanibio. There's definitely something to be said about fighters who can stay in the UFC for a long period of time and stay relevant. And Santiago Ponzinibbio has spent more time in the welterweight rankings than most people, and he's fought a who's who of generations of the UFC division. You know, like you got that sick fight with Lorenz Larkin back in 2015, and now he's still going three rounds with Kevin Holland. But yeah, if you didn't know, he came from the Ultimate Fighter, the Ultimate Fighter Brazil two, to be exact, and he was 18 and one when he joined the show, and he made it all the way to the finals, but he broke his hand in the semis, so the guy he beat Leonardo Santos went through instead of him and that guy went and won so I guess he beat the guy that won and he probably felt pretty shitty about it and then to make things worse he lost his UFC debut and basically had to start at the very bottom of the division and work his way up and at one point he was on a seven fight win streak 10 years later he's still taking on big names and he's much more than the guy who almost won tough number two Vicente Luque if I asked you to remember one thing about the ultimate fighter season where they put the American top team guys against the Black you say it's the fact that Kamaru Usman won and went undefeated in the division became a world champion because you're not wrong right that's pretty memorable but that season also gave us something really special Vicente Luque he was also a member of the Black Zillions with Usman he wasn't the most outspoken guy on the show I mean his nickname is the silent <laughs> assassin but he put away Nate Coy with that signature anaconda also the atmosphere on that season cannot be topped everyone is going crazy the whole time <laughs> Luque lost the next fight he had on the show though and that was a war against Haider Hassan and that guy went on to the finals. But on that season, the teams got to decide who they would put in the finale and, you know, a lot of guys wanted to put Vincente Luque in there. It was really only Rashad Evans who suggested Usman and that's who they went with and the rest is history. If we base it off of merit and who won... Then then it's Camaro. Vicente did fight that night, though, but he lost to Michael Graves, so, yeah, his tough run didn't really end well. But he's also become a complete legend of the division anyway as a guy who's always dangerous and could finish anyone on any given night. And number one, Marlon Chito Vera. All right, so how many of you even watched the first season of The Ultimate Fighter Latin America? Well, you should have because you had guys like Yair Rodriguez and, of course, someone else who's become a fan favourite, Marlon Cheeto Vera. Another reason you might not remember him being on the show, okay, is because it didn't look anything like him at all. I mean, granted, Marlon's gone through a few different looks at this point, but no beard, bald Cheeto just is a completely different vibe. He won his first fight in traditional Cheeto fashion, you know, a Hail Mary stoppage in the final round, but unfortunately, he had to pull out of competition because he developed a skin condition and he just wasn't allowed to continue. But he's still got to make his debut at UFC 180 in Mexico City, which is pretty awesome. He lost a decision, though, which isn't really the best way to start your UFC career. So he had to fight his way through the early prelims against better and better guys. For so long now, it's pretty easy to forget that by the time he fought Sean O'Malley, he already had 15 UFC fights. With more and more of his personality emerging as well, he's shown he didn't need tough to become a UFC star. He's just been that entertaining all by himself. Boom! That's a good video, wasn't it? Yeah, really good. Yeah. yeah, I find it's quite nice to go back through the Ultimate Fighter mm. and reminisce about some of these lads. Well, I, I personally, I, I found it great because I know all those people. All right. But I, not you know, being a new fan, I didn't know. Oh, where they come from where so they come from. yeah i learned a lot it was really fun do you reckon you could handle it on the ultimate fighter uh no i'd, I'd have roosevelt roberts just knocking me out in 30 seconds just to... thank you for editing that one mate You're boom welcome. go follow this man on his twitter at call cool to me underscore if you want to get some more out of the channel as well you can join the channel members button down below you get podcast episodes and writers meeting thank you if you are already a member as well there you go much appreciation for these names on the screen for supporting us thank you guys oh do you know who is a member now my dad, I helped him sign up. He's a member. He's loving it. That's great. That's, yeah. That's great for you. Like, comment, subscribe. We'll see you next time. For more content. Yeah. Bye. Peace.